Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, Anu, and we thought we'd have a conversation on uh, leadership, communication, and the effect on grades. Uh, so the discussion came off came up off the air when we were talking about uh, your program and how important and relevant it is. And then some discussions on how parents will ask, well, how will this affect my kids' grades? Right? And then seeing how uh, things like learning leadership and communication, uh, what, what is that uh, in terms of getting from a B to an A or, or improving it or, or maybe even bringing it down because now they have all these other extracurriculars that they're doing, right? Um, so, so maybe we'll take a minute to talk a little bit about something like the, the grades obsession, right? Because there seems to be, at least in, in our circles, it, maybe it's, it's, it's part of the, the immigrant mindset. Maybe it's uh, an Asian thing. Maybe it's just uh, where we hang out. But there is a bit of obsession about grades marks, getting something better than uh, yourself, your, your cousins or whatever, there, there's a bit of that competitiveness. Um, so I wanted your, your thoughts in terms of that grades obsession, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about grades, why they're important, and, and, and kind of their um, meaning in kind of the, the larger social context. So uh, yeah, what are your thoughts in terms of that, that grade obsession, and, and where did it come from, and, and your perspectives on it? Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. It is ingrained into, I think it's ingrained into humans in, in regards to the grades and why that is so important. Uh, grades actually came about in the 1800s. Yale actually was the first university to introduce grades, the grading system. And I think that was brought into perspective just to give some sort of feedback to students as to how they're progressing. Prior to that, it was all just verbal communication. Okay, you're doing well here, you're doing well there. Uh, but as universities needed to focus on applications and really understanding which students to take in and which students are not fit for their particular university, uh, the, the grading system came about because of that. At least that was one of the reasons. The other reason is, of course, to continuously give feedback. Now, as we progressed, uh, grades have had a positive impact and a negative impact on students. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you're talking about the positive impact, a little bit of competition is always good, right? Hey, you know, uh, there's that let, let's try and aim for the best. And sometimes getting a good grade gives some sort of excitement. There is this, you know, expectation, oh, I want to do really well. And I want my teachers to know that. I want people to know that. So there's that whole branding perspective with grades. And then there is that mental health uh, perspective, which is the con, uh, where students feel like they need to take, they need to be strategic on the subjects that they take so that they get the A grade. So maybe instead of taking... AP math, they take simple math and they get an A grade and they can still apply to a good university, stuff like that. So they're being very strategic. So the focus is not about the learning, but it is more the focus about getting that good grade so that I can get into that good university. Now, when we're talking about grades or the questions that I get asked from parents who join my program uh, or who are interested in joining my program and ask me, hey, how is this going to impact uh, my kids' grades? Are they going to get A grades? Are they going to get better grades? And I tell them this, if uh, teaching a child leadership or teaching a child to be their own advocate, 
improves their self-esteem. And when their self-esteem is improved, their confidence is improved, you will inevitably notice an improvement in other aspects of their life. And grades are one of those aspects. It's not the most integral, but it is definitely one of the aspects that it does improve. But that's not our, that's not our only focus. We're, we're focused on the whole human being and what they can offer to the world as a leader. Um, so those are kind of my perspectives on grade from a historical standpoint and its impacts at this at the current moment. Yeah, and I would echo a lot of that where, um, as you mentioned, when you help someone with their confidence, that kind of trickles over and translates to a whole bunch of other areas. And communication also is one of those fundamental things where everyone needs to communicate in whatever job that they do, right? Whether you're, you're on the, the deep technical expert or something, you still have to communicate your ideas. Or if you're the more most outgoing kind of salesperson or whatever, you still have to communicate as well. Um, now, some require more or, or less communication, but all communication is important. And when someone's confidence is boosted, then that, that just um, elevates them. And uh, when you have a confidence in like doing math, doing science, doing whatever, then that will probably translate to, to uh, stronger grades. There, there might not be an exact uh, causation, but it's definitely a, a correlation in there um, in terms of uh, building those, those fundamental skills. Um, I, I guess what, what I'd want to, uh, if I can have a, a counterpoint is, is that, well, okay, grades are there, and uh, what's what's the point of uh, improving uh, grades at all, right? So that's probably a different conversation that your parents don't even uh, factor into. But one of the discussion points that we were having kind of off air is like, well, what is a grade and what do they even represent, right? Because it's, it's, it's a point in time and this one test, this one assignment or something, they got an 80, they got a 90, they got a 50, whatever it is, right? Uh, but does that mean they can't do it uh, better tomorrow or they, they can't do it uh, or they maybe just had an off day, they, they, they were sick or whatever, right? Um, or uh, they, they weren't able to learn. Um, so, so those are some of the things that uh, came, came up in, in my head is like, how important are these grades? And I know as part of our discussion too, we also talked about how um, the kids aren't taught to, to uh, fail really in the sense that you mentioned about mm -hmm. taking um, the simple math versus an AP math, right? Well, are they not challenging themselves? So is it better to get an A in simple math or get a uh, whatever, a, a 70 in AP math, right? Even though a 70 in AP math might be at a higher level than, than the, uh, the 100% in, in simple math, right? So uh, what, what are your thoughts or, or, or reactions to, to kind of that conversation? Yeah, grades are definitely a point in time. It's it's interesting how we treat children as machines, right? Or the youth <laughs> yeah. as machines. Like you need to keep going, going, going. Uh, you're an A plus student. How did you get an A minus? How did you get a B? Sure. Come on, we're humans. Uh, you know, when we grow older, we're okay. It's okay to have off days for us. When we go to work, we could have that off day. We could be a rising star, and it's okay to have an off day because work understands that. But in school, or some parents just don't seem to understand that children are ma not machines, and they can right. have off days, and it's just an off day. Or sometimes the uh, the teacher that's teaching them is just not in alignment with their values and it's okay for that. Right. So right. your grades reflect that. Now, as far as I do, I do share the same sentiment with you in regards to grades, because I remember when I was in high school and when I was trying to choose universities, I was very strategic as well in the courses that I took, right. Uh, which does not leave a lot of room for uh, failure. 
um, I took the courses that I was very confident that I will do really well in uh, mm-hmm. versus maybe a different language. I was very interested in learning languages, but there was no way I was trying to get a B or a C grade. But now look, reflecting back, I, I would think, hey, that would have been a good learning opportunity if offered to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't think the school system is there just as yet. So what I tell students or the youth that I work with is, if, if there is an interest that you have, take that on the side and do it as an extracurricular activity where you won't be graded, okay? Don't, don't, don't get into too many competitions there. So if you want to learn another language like Mandarin or Cantonese or anything of that sort, just go learn it for the pleasure, download an app and learn it on the side. And technology offers that to you. So don't let grades stop you and don't, don't let that, don't make those kind, you know, if you want to play it safe. Uh, uh, but on the, uh, again, on the flip side, I know there are type A personalities who would hate it if grades were completely removed out of the system. They'd be like, oh, what's the use of going to school now? (laughs) Or like, uh, it would also be very hard for universities to, uh, understand whom to recruit, what students to recruit, because that is all based on grades, right? Like as soon as you enter high school, um, your grades, your how, how, you, how you perform uh, is all dependent, your SAT scores, your TOEFL scores, whatever it is, those are all grades at the end of the day. And that is what, that's the simplest system that a university can use to derive whether you are a good a uh, good candidate for the university. These are the really good universities, right? Outside of the extracurricular activities and outside of the recommendations, those are pr- those are the primary uh, uh, merit points that they look at uh, first before they go into all the other qualitative um, agreements. Yeah, and a lot of interesting things to to possibly un- unpack there in the sense that, well, is someone who got like a hundred percent in in kind of that simple math, uh, if we we're taking that versus seventy percent in AP math? Because one of those things is uh, s- some students are taking courses in, in kind of like those those after school prep programs or summer school or whatever because they're easier than than the, the day programs, right? And different schools teach differently, and some of them are harder or, or, or more easier to, to get a higher grade, right? And uh, as much as the the universities probably uh, give some credence into like the, the specific area or whatever I, I is an 80 and 80 in, in, in English right so whether it's AP or simple like how much does that really factor in uh in, into kind of the difficulty of the school the geography or the circumstances they were in uh it, it's a point in time so uh, as, as much as it's a um the system that's in place it, it's, it's an imperfect system and I, I don't know if there's a better way to, to, to necessarily do it um because like the challenge of, of kind of maintaining the, well, does this person actually know it now? Did they know as much uh, in, in grade nine versus grade 12 or whatever? Um, and, and does it have show that kind of subsequent increase? Uh, is someone who has sustained that same level over the course of time versus someone who grew into it, which is a better type of candidate, right? So those are all different uh, perspectives and things, which again, I don't, I don't know the answer to, but it's a matter of, uh, is everyone just relegated to a number, right? <laughs> and it's just like, there's a 95 and what does that mean? Versus someone who is like the most improved versus someone who's sustained versus someone who they actually started at 98, now they're at 92, right? <laughs> That's not necessarily a great story to, to have a, a, as well. So uh, all those things kind of uh, come to mind. And then uh, the point about kind of those er- easy courses where uh, I know in, in, in university, there's actually uh, groups created for, these are like the bird courses to take that will improve your GPA. And there's specific whole like forums and, and places where people will specifically pick uh, them just because I know I can uh, pull up my, my average uh, ongoing. 
Um, but those are some, some of the, those interesting things. And I think that continues on for, for, uh, uh, for high school a little bit, just because, well, high school might be a little bit different because there's some core subjects that uh, the universities have to uh, evaluate, right? So you have your, your, your English, your, your math sciences, and depending on which sciences you go to, they're, they're always a set number. So you can't really uh, have bird courses to bring, <laughs> bring that up, right? It's always the, the, the set number. Um, but, I, but I'm wondering in, in that case, so if really the, the premise of these high grades is to get you into that uh, like elite university, the high level university, uh, what is that doing for, I guess, the, the, those people who get in? Maybe what is it doing for the people who don't get in, right? And, and what sort of conversations are you hearing in, in regards to kind of those areas? So uh, my understanding in regards to your question about the students who get in because of their grades versus those who don't, is that... Like well, what it, sort it, of conversations do we need? Yeah, it's, so it's a little bit on, uh, and, and maybe I'm not asking the question correctly, but it's more the conversation around, uh, we're all pushing our kids to get high grades, right? There's limited spots in these top universities, right? So, so go, go, go. You have to get, be really smart and, and basically outcompete uh, uh, cousin, your cousin or th this other person, <laughs> the, the kid down the street and all that sort of stuff to get in that. And then eventually they, they secure a spot, right? So uh, how do those uh, kids feel? Because now they, they grabbed one of the coveted spots. And then now how does the other ones who didn't make it in, how, how do they feel as, as part of the process? And, and is, it, uh, is it detrimental or whatever? So those are kind of the, the conversation points that I had, had in my head. Well, it's funny you ask because um, I just released an interview uh, with Stephanie Sue um, recently, and she um, uh, she's a student who applied to all the Ivy League schools in USA. She's in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. and um, she was talking about her experience being rejected, and um, and the way it happens is uh, these Ivy League day, uh, schools sometimes choose the same day to tell what their decision is. So they might choose the same day. So in the same day, you could get multiple rejection letters. Sometimes you have to wait a little longer. Whatever it is, it, it, it impacts a student's mental health. 100% it does. She, you know, it was a low. She had to deal with the low. She had to deal with, I mean, there's also that family expectation. She was the third, she is the third kid, the last kid who has the ultimate opportunity at this point. Her brother, her sister didn't get into Ivy League. So she, it was her this was the last straw, I guess, of the family and she didn't get in and it, it really impacted her because she did try very, very hard uh, to, to, to get in. So from, from that perspective, it, uh, there is, there are students who take it personally, they, mm -hmm. they associate um, their, they identify their success in getting into Ivy league schools as their identity. This is my identity. I'm a Harvard grad or I'm a Stanford grad. Like their identity is so closely associated to, to it that it's in Stephanie Sue's case, it was, she's lucky. She, she, of course, she, you know, she had to deal with mental health and um, try and sort things out. And, you know, she went into Berkeley, no complaints there. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some students who decide that this is the end of it. Like I'm not getting into Stanford or I'm not getting into Harvard. And there is no meaning to my life. There's right. conversations around that, right? So then there's a darker space that kids go to. And there are some, I would say, I, I hope because 
the IVs, they only have a set number of seats. There are a lot of people who get rejected and all these students find another option, not all, but many of these students find an alternative option, right? Yes, they feel dejected, but then they go to the next school, um, you know, the secondary option and they keep going on with life, uh, so to say. Uh, and of course, the students who made it, so th this is interesting because I've talked to some students who've made it, who got into these Ivy League schools or even the U of T and all that. And after the first year, and then especially the second year, they get drained out because they mm. worked so hard to get in. And now they have to consistently keep delivering to keep their GPA up. There's almost that whole burnout that they have to deal with. Right. But if you're asking in regards to about the students' mental health, when they do get accepted, they're excited. They, you know, mm -hmm. Finally, I am, you know, I identified with UFT, I identified with Harvard, I identified with Stanford, and I got in. So, of course, they're very happy about it. Um, and it does open doors, right? When they, when they get into universities like this, it does open just generally. They, I think they need to work less, <laughs> lesser to get or have doors open compared to those who don't go into those universities as well. Uh, so I, I think I've uh, gone past uh, what you've asked, but in regards to uh, mental health and grades, there is definitely an impact and in getting into universities. Yeah, and, and what I took for, for that was uh, really uh, getting in or getting or not. It, it's uh, like helping students to, to see the potential and, and going and striving for, for those and uh, really building that uh, mental resiliency that if you don't, if things don't end up going the way you want it, whatever that ends up being in or out and all that sort of stuff, how to deal with it. And, and, and for those that go in, well, you still have to deal with it <laughs> in a different way where to avoid the burnout and stuff of like that. So how do you keep that uh, mental re resiliency in there? So, uh, well, hopefully that's uh, another program <laughs> that you're working on as well, because I think that would be a, a much needed where uh, like, because I think uh, all too much, as you said, that the likelihood of someone getting into one of those uh, universities is fairly low, right? Um, so you're more likely not to get in than, than you are to get in. But uh, does your life still continue afterwards? Hopefully, yes. And hopefully even becomes better or at least different uh, because you were able to, to do that. Um, yeah, and, and it it is a story of life, like mental resiliency. There's that, uh, you know, the one-time success folks, you know, those folks who just have that one-time success, they sure. become a superstar, they become a, you know, actor, uh, recognized actor or recognized musician or recognized CEO for, you know, five years, and then boom, they're gone. They're out right. of sight, out of mind. And that's exactly how it is, right? Like you have to continuously, if you, if you want to be, prominently well-known, if that is your value and if that is what you're focused on to be famous, to be prominently well-known in any field that you take on, you have to consistently keep throwing out work. And that requires a completely different sort of mental resiliency to know that you're going to fail at points and you're just going to keep going up. And, and there's, there's going to be, you know, multiple ups and downs while you while you go through that phase of life. So getting into a university, that's your first success. And then keeping consistent is definitely something that needs to be taught to students, right? Just be resilient, just keep going. And just know that you are going, even though if you were chosen to get into one of these best universities, you're going to fail. There's going to be, there's going to be areas that you're going to fail and just embrace it, learn from it and keep moving on. It's hard. It is hard as heck. I know that everyone knows that it is hard as heck because your ego just gets hit, right? It's like, I'm supposed to be the superstar, but Hey, we just, we, we have to accept that we're humans and we, you know, just embrace 
failure to a particular point, right? To at least to learn from it and then to keep moving on. Yeah, and I think that that's a great point where, uh, like, for for those people who who aspire and really have never uh, failed in their life, right? So that so they get into the university they want, they they graduate top of their class or whatever, and then they're in the working world. But then the working world behaves a little bit differently, <laughs> where where uh, they they accept failure more, and they kind of accept failure uh, pretty much where where they um, expect it. And 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 if you're not failing, it's kind of like what what you're not pushing yourself, you're not going far enough in your boundaries. So it's kind of that interesting switch or that learning curve that has to happen, right? Once you graduate top of your class, whatever it is, I, I still need to to go through and um, accelerate, and but in, in a slightly uh, different way. Um, I wanted to, to have a bit of a conversation, well, slightly different on, okay, so, so you get into school um, and uh, what, what's kind of the, the, the value of the school, right? So we say you should strive and go to kind of a, a top school wherever you can. So for those that, that uh, do get into a top school, like it, it opens doors, right? Because oftentimes you're um, rubbing elbows with kind of a, a more elite cloud, a crowd, I, I think is, is what we talked about. Um, and we have a... Um, I guess just more of a prominency in terms of, of where people end up. And uh, I, I think that can open a lot of doors, as I think you mentioned as well. Um, and then there's, if you're in a kind of a, a lower tier school or, or something else, then, well, the likelihood of someone uh, at a higher level is going to be a little bit lower, right? Um, just, just that's kind of the generalities of it. So um, it, it sounds like it's, it's worth it to strive to, to get to that higher level so that you have those opportunities. Um, but, but I guess uh, for me, my um, thoughts is that, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you go. It's really what you do with that opportunity too, right? So when you end up to a top tier school, if you just stay in the books and, and, and just learn there, well, that's probably not going to be as, as beneficial as if you did like student clubs and, and um, um, part-time jobs and internships and stuff like that, right? So uh, it, it's also a matter of how you leverage the, the opportunity. So what, what are your thoughts in terms of like um, school uh, versus like all the learning you get outside of the classroom <laughs> and things like that? Oh, that is a loaded question. And if I can <laughs> add to the whole getting into a really good university, I heard in an interview uh, by Oprah Winfrey, she says whenever she, uh, whenever someone tells her that this person is from Harvard and is coming for an interview, she actually shifts and she sits upright. So even someone like Oprah Winfrey shifts and is yeah. <laughs> upright because she didn't go to Harvard, but still the fact that that person's coming from Harvard causes that change. And there are psychological different, you know, changes and behaviors that you'll notice where people will, uh, you know, give respect to someone who comes from universities like that. But in regards to the schooling, uh, I think it's, it's a, a schooling is um, now in so many different shapes and forms. There's homeschooling um, that, that has been prominent for many, many centuries or years, at least, yeah, uh, decades. But now with COVID, it's yeah. become more prominent, right? And uh, families are consider reconsidering, hey, I could either homeschool my kids or I never want to homeschool my children. I want to send them to school. And yeah. I think schooling is, uh, to me, at least as a parent, I think schooling is just a form of, uh, structured education, sure. but uh, and it, it it's it's all dependent on your teacher. It's all dependent on the principal. It's all dependent on the syllabus, on where you are. You know whether you are in Ontario or Quebec or Canada or U.S. Where you get your schooling. So there's a structure that you follow depending on the geographical region that you're in, mm -hmm. and there are many factors that um, 
uh, that uh, work to support a child's growth, right? Um, parents have to be advocates no matter what. Um, as they don't need to be helicopter parents, but they Hopefully need to not, be advocates, yeah. right? Like what curiosity, what's going on in school and all that. Uh, in elementary, I would say grades, like, come on, like a kindergarten kid or grade one, grade two, yeah. grade three, like when you come to grade six and seven, again, grades, I've, I'm really not for, you know, focusing on grades. I'm for focusing on what are you gaining out of this yeah. whole thing? What, what interests you? Does dance interest you? Does robotics interest you? What interests you? Everything can interest you. So what interests you? And are you kind of getting similar grades based on what you're interested in? All right. So that's the schooling perspective. But I, I truly believe in having doing extracurricular activities because school mm -hmm. cannot provide you with everything. I haven't heard of a school that provides a student with everything that they're interested in. Um, they sort of give you a foundation, but doing extracurricular activities. And now with you know, with access to everything online, children can access YouTube, they can access information easily. Like they don't have to walk to the library like we had to do at one point, right? And that, that required another set of motivation. But they have so much offered to them in their fingertips, um, even extracurricular activities. Like I provide my program online, right? And there's a lot of programs that are running online. So outside education and leading through curiosity is really a phenomenal way of learning. Uh, but here's the thing when you lead through curiosity and learn through curiosity, that requires a different set of mindset for a child. I mean, adults struggle with that kind of mindset. So imagine a child. So I, I'm definitely in the belief that go to school, lead that structure or whatever, enjoy that structure, but also have some outside interests and lead by curiosity. If you're curious about coding, whatever, learn it on your own or go through extracurricular activities and learn it from the outside because you can't expect school to provide you with everything. Just like how work cannot provide you with everything, right? Um, uh, I know my grandfather had to stay in the same job forever. Like he took a job and he had to stay with that same job forever. Uh, my father had to do the same thing too. There was no option for them. Like this is, right. this is our life. We sign up for a job and we stay. But that's not the case with me or with, I don't expect my kids to have that uh, thing where we can change jobs. We can, we can have other interests out of work, right? We can pursue other interests. We can pursue other side hustles. And that's how life is. And that's what we, and that's what we want to teach our kids as well. Yeah, I think I think what came to mind is the the, the Mark Twain quote of uh, "Don't let school get in the way of education." Whereas the school provides that structure, right, and and it, it'll teach you that uh, whether you're in in an Ivy League school or a regular school or whatever it is, that's going to provide you that structure. Um, but at the same time, it's due to a lot of facts, like whether your professor was, was good, whether your professor was dealing with something uh, on the family side <laughs> at the same time, because sometimes the the professor's great, but there was just a moment where that that term that semester wasn't as 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 great as they normally were right the geography is the people that you hang out with and 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 your, your classmates and all that there's so many different factors so it's really up to uh you as a student and, and possibly as a parent to advocate and kind of show a little bit about what uh other things are out there outside of just the, the classroom walls so you mentioned uh, extracurriculars as well because not all the, the the schools will say okay you will, I don't know, learn all of these different areas because I guess they're just so much to, to manage. And because everyone is slightly different, they'll have different interests and stuff. It's, it's so hard for a, a school to, to manage all those. So you need to kind of go out on your own to um, find uh, those different opportunities that really interest you. 
And then you talked about uh, leading with curiosity, which I think is, is fantastic, where you, you're really going to school for, for, that, for that learning, getting that experience and finding out, okay, what do I like of this and, and how can I get more of it so that you can have that sustainable future where you're not just doing it because, well, you have that grade. It's like, you know what, I actually enjoy doing it too. And I can do it for the next, whatever, 40 years or however, how long that, 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 that you start walking uh, or start working as well, because uh, as you alluded to as well, uh, when, when you get out in, out in the working world, it's, it's no different, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't stop learning. You should continue to, to grow and, and, and get better just because you, gr- you graduated uh, kind of your, your post-secondary or grad school, whatever, doesn't mean you're done, right? You should constantly be learning, evolving, and, and growing. And uh, yeah, so, so whether you end up in, 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 a, in a top school or, or, or middle tier school or whatever, you have different opportunities uh, offered to you. And it's, it's a matter of you um, like really focusing on that leading with curiosity and, and, and uh, taking the learning uh, there. And, and because there's so much access to information nowadays, then uh, what you normally could only get in Ivy League education, some of the, the, the lesser known uh, schools are also able to get, right? So there's going to be different things that you need in order to uh, kind of allow yourself to be successful in, in the real world. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit to talk about kind of the, 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 the aspect of like teaching leadership, right? Um, so that, that is one where, I mean, there's no course in school called leadership. Well, maybe in an MBA or something like that, but at least not in, 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 um, in, in high school. So, so this is one thing that obviously you advocate for and, and, and teach as part of your program. So, so what does that do to kind of help um, the, the student? Uh, we talked about how it improves their confidence and stuff of like that. Uh, and, and what are some of the, the, the things that folks can, or, or students can, can get out of taking um, or adopting that leadership mindset? Oh, massive, right? I mean, again, my story started, for me, my leadership experience started well after a few years of working in a company and realizing that I can't get the leadership role till I have leadership skills, which I wasn't aware of, right? Mm-hmm. Was Like I mentioned previously, it's not just, it's not competition, it's collaboration. It's sure. uh, be working as part of a team. It's not just individual contribution, right? It's not me, me, me. It's us, us, us. It's mm-hmm. us together. We, we as a team have delivered this project. In, in team, there is strength. All these things are, again, are exp- we as human beings are expected to know this at a young age, but you, it's fascinating. I mean, you look at the, you look at, youth and I work with so many youth, they're not aware of that, right? So Mm. let's be transparent to them and say, yes, grades are obviously based on individuals and you are individually marked. But when you work in a company, you are going to work in a team, you have to delegate. If you want to scale and work, if you want to scale your own company, you need to properly delegate to people so that you can focus on, you know, whatever you want to work on and work with a team together. So there are multiple facets of leadership, how you listen to people, how you communicate with people, how you empathize, um, how to motivate people. Again, there are frameworks around it. Uh, Dale Carnegie is one of those uh, uh, people that I follow. Uh, there's Jim Rohn. There's, there's multiple people that I started following at an older at an older age, I would think. But we can break down their principles uh, to younger to younger kids. Uh, for example, how to even talk to a stranger, mm-hmm. right? Why, why, like if, if, forget a stranger. When a new student comes into your class, what's the first thing you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait for him or her to come and talk to. Why? 
Hi, why don't you go up? That's leadership. That showcases leadership, right? Hey, you're forming, uh, you're forming a circle of trust, right? Um, so, someone to support, someone to work with, someone to create a lifetime bond with. You, you find areas of leadership in anything that you do, but mm-hmm. sometimes we expect children to just know these things. And it's unfair right. to expect children because if you look back, we didn't know that. We just thought, okay, we'll just stay with our clique. In fact, adults still stay with their own clique, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? They're just comfortable doing that. Uh, so it's, it's important to share these frameworks and share the benefits, right? Um, uh, and uh, some, of the experience, some of the examples I can give is you want to be an influencer? Well, influencers build partnerships. Okay. <laughs> if you want to be a social media influencer for any particular reason, for anything that you do, they build partnerships. How do they build partnerships? They collaborate with other people. They, they work with other people. There's a give and take relationship. Again, sharing frameworks on how you can do that. Um, uh, sometimes I hear students saying, well, I'm working on a project and I have to do everything. How many times have you heard adults say the same thing, right? And all of a sudden the problem is someone else's problem, not my problem. Well, sure. have you reflected on the fact that maybe you love to do all the work and that you don't trust people and that you're not good at delegation? I mean, I don't say it that way, of course, sure. but you know, these are things that you can learn to do. Okay, what is it? Why, why is it? Is, is this a one-time thing that in just in one project, you find that the other teammates are not motivated to work with you? Or are you finding that any project that you're on, you're the one doing it? And usually in cases, especially type A personality kids, or youth will say, I'm doing all the work. I'm sure. thinking, well, that's that's not a good idea, right? You still need to trust. You still need to break it down, break it down into smaller chunks of work to trust someone. And then give them, you know, construct, don't, well, don't start off with constructive criticism. Show them gratitude that they finished that work, right? And then if they are open to constructive criticism or feedback, then provide that to them. But you can build a bond that way. When, when you teach students that there's a sort of aha moment, there's a sort of awareness that leadership and soft skills can give to them. And that makes them a stronger, more confident leader. And they realize the benefits of all of this um, working together. So th- those are the things that I incorporate in my program. Per se, it starts off with how to communicate, how to communicate yeah. effectively so that whatever you say makes sense. It could inspire people to make change. And then we work on storytelling. We work on then how to use storytelling for negotiation, how to use storytelling to influence people, how to use storytelling to do really well in an interview, um, how to use storytelling to have a a conversation, things like that. Um, So that's kind of what I've incorporated in my leadership program and seems to be doing quite well (laughs) because of that. Sure. And, and that's one thing that, that I, I hope uh, more students, more, more adults even <laughs> get a chance to experience because uh, it, it's something that's, that's missing from, from the, the, the current schooling system and, and to, to, to nobody's fault because it's, 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 the system is how, how it is. But uh, things like, like a group project and stuff like that, well, you don't really get that same kind of dynamics and interactions. And I think that's why a lot of folks really take a look at things like uh, extracurricular activities. So if you are the president or a director or something of a club where you have to organize, you inherently have to develop those skills in order for anything to be successful. Now, some people learn it the hard way where they kind of make mistakes or things don't go uh, according to plan. So to have kind of that structured approach in terms of learning how to uh, negotiate and delegation, I think is, is a huge one where uh, oftentimes, well, it just means you don't trust other people right? <laughs> and, and you can't communicate uh, well enough to, to other people. So the, the found, found fundamentals of that, I think, are so important to, to learn. 
And yeah, I look forward to having more folks have exposure to, to, to these sorts of things so they can uh, incorporate them into their real life. And, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll be able to have some of those uh, skills for, for older adults because just because they went to university or, or they've already started working for five, 10 years doesn't mean they have those skills either, right? So, uh, but I guess there are other avenues where, where they could potentially yeah. get that as well. I think with adults, there should there is a need for awareness, right? To bring a program like this, they need to feel aware that they're stuck at certain places. And that's yeah. when adults are motivated to do something about it. Like if I was to tell an adult, there are so many principles in the way you listen, the type of listener that you are, they're not interested in that. As long as I'm able to listen, hear something and get the stuff done, but if they are actually stuck and if they feel like they're not understanding someone and if I can, if, if they are aware that that can help them, uh, that program can help them become better listeners so that they can be much more powerful as an exec or as a leader, then adults really will benefit from programs like that. With, with youth, I guess it's, it's a little different where we showcase, we can we can showcase how it impacts them right now. And then like if they're working on projects right now and they are having issues with it, it's almost like an aha moment that we can build very quickly with youth, I find, right? Um, uh, any, anything, any t- sort of like, I want to be the captain of my soccer club. Okay, you want to be the captain of your soccer club? What's your struggles right now, right? Oh, you know, people are not listening to me. Okay, let's let's talk through this, right? Like how does listening work? How uh, and and then they're more uh, they're they're definitely more open to it because it's in the now and they they really want to figure things out to help them become a captain or help them become um, you know do really well in a project so that's the difference between adult and I guess pedagogy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. So as, as we start to bring the conversation to, to close, so so we've kind of outlined that, well, definitely leadership and communication are important, right? Those are kind of those key skills that, well, keep on going for, for us uh, through, throughout our lives. Um, but uh, we, we have to be aware of, well, this, this grades obsession that we have. Although it's founded in the sense that uh, when, when you uh, get into a better school, you, you tend to have more opportunities and all that sort of stuff. But do that without the um, kind of uh, burden of, of of success or the grade for the grade's sake, right? We want to make sure that there's learning in there. There's resiliency that's built in there so that if you do and when you do, not if you do fail, <laughs> that you'll be able to pick yourself back up. So if you don't end up in the school of your choosing or don't end up in the job that you want, whatever, there's still the ability to kind of learn and grow from there. And um, from from a discussion of uh, like the, the the adult side, where you want a little bit of awareness uh, for yourself, so that you can say, you know what, but yeah, I probably could communicate that better. I probably could lean that, learn that a little bit better, and and seek out uh, all the different uh, resources out there because there's uh, lots of programs for, for adults that, that, that are there. It might cost you some money, but chances are that the, the company that you're working for has uh, lots of resources that you can uh, access as well. So I think that's, that's, that's a lot of uh, good conversation uh, that we've had in terms of leadership, communication, and, and grades and schooling and all that. Uh, are there any kind of uh, parting words of wisdom that, that you'd want to share uh, anew in regards to any of the things that we just talked about? No, I mean, I just think hey, you got this one life, right? Enjoy it. Um, Putting the pressure on a human being to earn a set amount of salary. I mean, of course, be able to support yourself. At the end of the day, you want to be independent or hopefully that's that's the hopes that you, you, I mean, especially if you're vying for those really good universities, you're probably 
looking to become an independent consultant or lawyer or doctor or engineer, whatever it is, that's mm-hmm. probably why you're vying to get into a great university. But enjoy your life while you progress because childhood is so limited. <laughs> you only have your first 18 years. And uh, not to say that when you become an adult, you, you, you have to be lifeless or you, you don't have to enjoy <laughs> yourself. But childhood, it's, it's just it's a precious time of your life. So, and you'll never get that back. So enjoy it, enjoy it with, and and for the parents out there, let your kids enjoy it as well. So that they look yeah. back and they're like, Hey, we're not traumatized by our childhood, right? Our yeah. childhood is the childhood stories are much more than I had to get an A grade in math, right? Versus, you know, I had these great conversations with my parents. I had these great teams that I worked with in school. I enjoyed going to school. I, I especially enjoyed this particular grade and this particular teacher. Those are the conversations we want to have when we're adults looking back at life. Um, so if, if anything, that would be my parting advice. Just enjoy your childhood and try and enjoy adulthood too and not put undue <laughs> pressure on yourself. Embrace failures. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting like hell and give yourself that time to, you know, moan and groan and then, you know, just kick, just get up, uh, just, you know, dust yourself off and say, okay, I mean, I might as well keep going because <laughs> there's, there's no other option here. I'll just keep going and I'll keep trying. And someone somewhere will always notice you. Someone will notice you. Um, if not one person, many people will notice you. And it's that resiliency. And that is, I truly believe that resiliency is the reason why someone will want to partner with you mm-hmm. because they know that no matter what, um, and even you hear that in Dragon's Den and Shark's Tank and all these investor shows, people don't invest in the business, they invest in that person because they know that they're resilient and they'll keep going. They had so many setbacks, but they still kept going. And that is worth the investment. So, you know, keep keep going. Sounds good. So thanks, Anu, so much for joining us for this conversation. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for another episode. I love this. Thank you, Luke. I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.